Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. But without further ado, I wanted to introduce um, our guest speaker this morning. I had the opportunity of attending one of her sessions at a work convention um, a few months back. And um, I'll be honest, I just signed up for it because it was a Friday slot and I needed to be somewhere on that Friday slot to fill all my hours in for what they required us for work. And I didn't really know what I was signing up for. And I was so encouraged and I left so um, just ready to kind of take on the next chapter of life and the next challenges that were ahead of us um, with just the really amazing practical tools that Deb um, brought to the table that day with her humor and her um, just electric personality. It was just, I came home and I just couldn't tell Ryan fast enough all the amazing things that I had learned from her session. Um, And so I I just am excited to have her here this morning. I just want to welcome her today as a church. So welcome, Deb. Thank you. That's a great confession. I didn't really know what I signed up for, but I thought I'd show up anyways. I love that. I love that. I'm just going to push this to the side. So I apologize in advance, but you've said that you're kind of animated when you speak as well. So I'm kind of spazzy. So apologize in advance for that because it is early in the morning. So thank you very much for having me. As mentioned, my name is Deb DeWall, and that actually rhymes with know-it-all. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I'm nervous. It's a bad joke, I know. Okay, I don't know it all. Don't even know close to it all. But I do know a little bit about today's topic. Do they know anything about my background? Nothing? Okay, fantastic. So my background, I was a police officer here in the city of Calgary for 10 years. Um, Fascinating job. Let me tell you, fascinating job. Okay, show fans, who here knows a cop personally? I don't want to know if you know them professionally, just personally. Okay, quite a few of you. Okay, so if you know a cop, you've probably heard cop stories, yes? They're usually notorious storytellers. Some of the stories they tell are true. (laughs) Some are exaggerated, but... um, So you'd know it's an interesting job. I very much enjoyed it. Um, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, but you've picked up on that already, yes? (laughs) Come on, look at me. It's a perfect job. It's a perfect job. I was that young cop, always grabbing for the mic. Whenever dispatch would call for something, you'd be like, yeah, pick me, I'll go, me, 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 me. Of course, some of my older, more senior partners wanted to take that mic and shove it down my throat. <laughs> they were lazy. But I enjoyed it. I spent ten year, or seven years of my time there working in uniform, so doing whatever it is, people phone the cops, where you go. So you can imagine, there's a lot of variety. You've got everything from traffic accidents to domestic disputes to homicides, right? You do them all, everything, whatever they, they call. Wait, <sighs> deep breath, Deb. You didn't, I didn't do homicides, I went to <laughs> homicides. <laughs> it didn't come out well. Never killed anyone, which was a blessing. <laughs> Although, <laughs> conf- I feel like I have to confess up here. Um, I almost shot a parrot once. Okay, let me explain. I can see that, what, a poor parrot? Okay, here I am, I'm clearing a residential house alarm. You know, some people have alarm systems on their house, the alarm goes off, it's a pretty standard call, you gotta go check it out. So I'm going through this house, I'm here to tell you, it's actually a creepy call. Because it's an unknown location, you don't know the floor plan, and you're kind of expecting someone to leap out. So here I am, I'm walking through the house, bit on edge, sure enough, I hear a noise. So my gun comes out and I'm going, get down, get down! Things going, no, no! I'm going, get down, get down! It was a parrot. <laughs> Oops. 
I didn't blow the head off the parrot, just for clarity. <laughs> Everybody went home safe. So that was fun, but arguably um, where I learned the most about life, about me, about relying on God, was when I spent many, many years working undercover. Fascinating job, let me tell you, fascinating job. Because of my short time today, I won't get into too much of it, but probably one of the highlights that really, you know, uh, pulled out, I don't know if you can say pulled out the best of me, but really challenged me. I spent a great deal of time working with the Vice unit. Does anybody here know what Vice does? You get, yeah. <laughs> How do you know that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Vice in Calgary has two mandates. They cover gambling and they cover any guesses? Prostitution. Yes, drugs is so big in Calgary, it has its very own unit. But they cover prostitution. Well, I'm not a gambler. I'm not a prostitute either, just to make that really clear. However, I think it had something with the big hair thing I had going on there. I don't know if this was a terrible insult or a compliment, but they asked me to go downtown Calgary and pose as a prostitute. What an education in life that, like, what prepares you? There's no school. I checked. There, there's no class. You can, I tried Bow Valley College. They had nothing. <laughs> like, how do you prepare for that? And something you have to understand about me, I was raised in a very strict home. As a matter of fact, I am a uh, uh, confirmed, baptized Lutheran. Now, if you've ever attended a Lutheran service, okay, much different. It, it, you try and get a Lutheran to do this? Not happening. Barely, it's real hard to get them to stand up in their seats, okay? Like, this is my upbringing. So, you know, put me into this world. It's so foreign to me. What do I know? So, you know, I go up to the big boss guys, and I'm scared. Like, I'm, this is a challenge for me and my personality. I'm like, well, how do you be a prostitute? You know, I've got no experience to draw from here. How do you do this? And the vice guys. I do a couple of impressions this morning. This is my first one. I'm a vice detective. So the vice guys, they stand there, and they get puffy because that's what vice detectives do. <laughs> and they don't really know the answer, but they have to cough something up. So they stand there and they look at you and they go, uh, just go out there and be sexy. <laughs> okay. Trained observers in the room, you probably already gathered the fact that's not a natural flow for me. <laughs> I'm one of these girls, hey. <laughs> yeah, just not happening. But you know, it was an intriguing, intriguing experience. It really pushed me um, to what I saw doing the greater good. So you know, it was a ton of fun, um, but I can tell you at the end of the 10 years, I got a bit frustrated with policing because I felt I was just kind of picking up pieces after things had happened. So I got a little frustrated with that. So that's where my company was born in 1998, safe and sound. And hello, my name is Deb, I'm a quitter. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I snort too. She probably didn't tell you that. Yeah. I mentioned I'm a professional speaker. Yeah. I tried one of those Z collars for dogs. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Oh, sorry. It's going to happen. I spit too. That's why I moved everything. Um, so sorry. And the light's bad for spitting. Just warning you. Um, so I did leave the Calgary Police Service to do this as my full time calling. And I am super excited to be doing this particular session because this one comes straight from my heart. And my hope today is give you some tools and some techniques and some tricks, as I call them, that I have used personally and I've shared with others to use personally to achieve to challenges that come your way to perform at the best of your abilities, even when you're feeling stress and pressure. Doesn't that sound good? Who doesn't need that? <laughs> yeah. So, to begin, I'm going to start you off with the most difficult thing you're going to have to do in our time together today. I like to get the hard stuff over with. Here it is. I need you to take a look around the room at who's here. Make eye contact with as many people as you possibly can. Get a very good look. 
Take a look. Good. Oh, look, people are smiling. This is a good sign. You know, I speak at a lot of law firms. I don't know why, but I get booked at law firms. And I ask them to do this. That's what they... Okay, are you a lawyer? No. <laughs> That's what they do to each other. They go, <laughs> Okay, here's your instructions. I need you to find someone in this room and only this room who is as equally intelligent as yourself. I know, I know, it's going to be, oh, feeling the love. Okay, this is what I just saw in my limited vision. I saw about 10% of you immediately go to the person beside you, oh, let's work together. And then I saw about 80, 90% go, sorry, Deb, not going to happen, not here, not today. <laughs> okay, flex a little bit if you have to. This is what I want you to do. I want you to partner up, groups of two or maximum three. When you have found someone as smart as you, or at least close enough to, to work with, what I want you to do is physically turn your chairs towards each other, and then I'll give you your next instruction. Go! Twos or threes, twos or threes, quick, 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 quick. Twos or threes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh. Is this a mercy thing or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well done. Wow, this is amazing. Something new has happened for me today. In most groups that I do, people just literally just kind of move this way. But some of you actually physically got up and moved like around. That's impressive. Um, there's smart people everywhere, apparently. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, in order for this to have any meaning, any sustainability, any longevity into your life, I need you to attach what I'm going to give you into a real-life challenge. What does that mean? So we've all been to seminars, workshops, courses. Um, some of the sermons, not yours, I'm sure. Uh, but you get some good stuff. You even take some notes. And then when life starts getting in the way, what happens in most cases? It's gone. Do you know? Come on, I've done it. You've done it, right? You forget about it. I don't want that to happen with my uh, topic today. So what I want you to do is I want you to pick a mental toughness challenge for yourself that you are going to take what I give you today and apply it into a real life thing from this moment going forward. So it has some longevity into your life. Do you get that? So what is a mental toughness challenge? Well, in this group, I can my my scope is big now. In most groups, I'll I'll throw out uh, the the usual. Um, here's my honesty check of this room. Has anybody here ever in your lives set yourself up for some sort of challenge, some sort of goal involving your health? Lose weight, gain weight, eat better, sleep more, work-life balance, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's normal. Now here's the real question. How many people have failed? Yes, okay. We have honest people in the room. I respect that. Okay, so you, we all know if you're well at home, you're well in the rest of your work, right? So, and we are supposed to treat our bodies as a temple, right? We, so it could be a health goal that you're, you want to work on. It could be a financial uh, situation. Oh my goodness, um, much of my work is in Alberta. And you can imagine the stress and the pressure that some peop a lot of people are facing right now with their finances because people have lost jobs, they're having to move, like all these sorts of things. It could be a financial challenge. Um, maybe you want to increase your tithing. And, and you're, you, it's in your heart, but you can't seem to figure out how you want to do that and make that a real thing. So it could be a financial goal. It could be an educational goal. Maybe you want to be certified as an alpha instructor. Maybe you want to learn to play the guitar or speak Spanish. I don't know, any kind of educational goal. It could be a faith goal. Maybe there's something that you think God is speaking to you about that you don't seem to find the courage to 
really go out there and do it. I love that there was life groups right here. There's sign up today, is that correct? You know, maybe something's niggling there and you're thinking, oh, I don't have the time, oh, I'm so busy. But you kind of feel like you're led to do it. So maybe that's the challenge for you. It could be anything, but it has to be something. So I want you to pick a goal or a challenge, a mental toughness challenge for yourself that you're going to use what I give you today and apply it to a real life application. Take as much time as you need in two minutes or less <laughs> and discuss with your brilliant buddy or buddies what is that challenge. Go! Quick, quick, quick! Okay, it's gone a bit quiet, so I'm assuming you've gotten there, yes? Does everyone kind of have something? Okay, lay it on me, give me some ideas. What do you got? Challenge. Boldness in faith. At least 15 minutes of exercise a day. <laughs> well, don't push it. Come on, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> 15 minutes. <laughs> okay. Of exercise. Love it. Because you know what? I know that it, it, it is linked because you start your day that way and you're going to be better prepared for all of the other challenges, right? So it's good. What else you got? Give me some more. Did everyone hear that? Okay, okay. Publish the book. This year. Yes. I like how she kept that kind of vague. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. What else you got? Give me some more. Ooh. Okay, that one gets a new and an ah. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> Love it. Be more present. <laughs> yeah, sorry, dude. Copycat. Yeah. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little smarter than that. Okay, give me a few more. I got some more room because this will help me make it very real for you. Oh, good one. Be intentional with time because it goes so fast, right? Yeah. Good. Any others? Has anyone here had the occasion where you've, um, in my other sessions, I would say deal with difficult people? It happens, right? But in this type of setting, sometimes you have to go to a brother or a sister with a rebuke. Maybe that's my Lutheranness. <laughs> but you know, those, sometimes those are hard conversations, right? Because you're walking in faith with people, and sometimes you, know, you see things that they might not be aware of, and you have to have that hard conversation with them to help them be their best selves. Are you following me? So we can call it in the rest of the world dealing with difficult people, but sometimes we have responsibilities to support and lift each other up. That's hard. It can be really hard. So I'll put deal with difficult people, but we know what that's talking about. Good. One more. Give me one more. Oh, sorry, that's impossible. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Eat healthy. Okay. All right. Now, if yours hasn't come up, does everyone at least have something in their mind? Got some sort of idea? Okay. Would you agree with me, in order to have success in any one of these things, it will require some level of performance on your part. Would you agree? Okay, so have you ever been doing whatever it is you do in life to perform? Uh, you know, it could be uh, exercising, it could be working on that book, it could be having a hard conversation with someone, being more present, like literally being intentional and focused in, in a conversation. Whatever it is you do, and you absolutely rocked it. I'm hoping you've had a good day, like once ever in your life. Yeah, maybe 1962, I vaguely recall. Yeah. Okay, so we've got to back up. Okay. okay, so you've had the good experience. Now, have you ever been doing the exact same thing? The same hard conversation, the same speech, the same whatever it is you do, and you absolutely bombed it. Like the exact same activity. 
Yay, honest people. Okay. Now, have you ever had that excellent performance and that really terrible performance occur in the same 30-day time period? Same week? <laughs> same day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. Is anyone golf? <laughs> it's like, what the heck happened here? Yeah. Okay, so physically we are the same. You're not fatigued, you're not tired. What is it, oh learned ones, that makes a difference in our lives between our great performances and our terrible performances? What is it? What's the difference? It's, it's up here, right? This, have you ever heard that expression, everything we do in life is actually 90% mental and only 10% physical? Have you ever heard that, you know, that whole mind-body connection? These things are connected, and what's up here is going to flow out through the rest of you. Now, I could yak, 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 talk, talk, talk about how much the mind and the body are connected, but I'm an experiential trainer. <laughs> so I'd rather show you how much the mind and the body are connected. And in order to do so, I need a lovely volunteer. To, oh, right away, give him a hand. Yes, come on up here. Yes, that's my man. Okay, I'm going to have you stand right here. I'm sorry, what was your name? Joel. Joel. Okay, Joel, do you have any shoulder issues? <laughs> you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, good. You're the climbing guy, aren't you? No. Oh, okay. All right. That's John. Oh, okay. All right, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Right-handed. Okay, Joel. Yes. I want you to put your right arm out like this. Make a fist. Okay, very good. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take both my hands, I'm going to put them on your arm, and I'm going to push down. Your job is to resist. I want you just to keep it as steady as you possibly can. All I'm doing is testing your strength. Okay. <laughs> All right, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Oh, boy. Okay, it's very strong. <laughs> okay, arm down, good. All right, now, what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes. Now, Joel. I want you to think back to a time in your life when you were doing whatever it is you do in life to perform. Maybe you were uh, giving a speech, maybe you're writing an exam, maybe you were witnessing, giving personal testimony. I don't know, whatever it is you do in life to perform, think back to a time when you're doing that activity and you absolutely bombed it. And we've all been there, yes? We've all been there. Joel, this might have kind of been one of your worst experiences you can recall. In your mind's eye, I want you to picture the scene, remember where you were, Remember who was there, see their faces. And Joel, I want you to remember maybe some of the things people said to you that day, that night. And you know what? These are usually the conciliatory statements. You know, it wasn't that bad. Or you'll get it next time. You know, that kind of theme. But more importantly, I want you to say, remember what you said to yourself. Who beats us up better than us? Nobody. We're masters at it. And the biggest piece, I want you to remember what that felt like. And we've all been there. It's kind of like that sinking sensation. When you come to that moment of realization, it's not happening, not here, not today. Are you back in that place? Put your right arm out and make a fist. I'm going to put both my hands on your arm to push down. Your job is to resist. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was a dramatic one. <laughs> okay, shake it off, shake it off. We're not leaving you there. We just sucked the life out of you. All right, now put your feet about shoulder-width apart. Okay, lift up your shoulders. Chest out if you have one. <laughs> if not, I know where to buy them. <laughs> I didn't get into that from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. Chin up a little bit. Give me a good smile. Okay, very good. Now, close your eyes. Okay. Now, Joel, I want you to think back to a time in your life when you were doing whatever it is you do in life to perform. Maybe you were giving witness. Maybe you were um, having a hard conversation. Maybe you are um, uh, playing a sport. I don't know. Whatever it is you do, think back to a time in your life when you are doing that activity and you absolutely rocked it. This might have been one of the best days of your life. You know those moments when you, 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 you kind of walk away and you feel like you're on fire? Like you just, you're filled up? In your mind, I want you to picture the scene. Where were you? Remember who was involved? See their faces? They're probably smiling. 
And Joel, I want you to remember maybe some of the things people said to you that day, that night. Great job, well done. Or you know what, for this group, some of you from time to time get feedback as important as you have no idea what you just did for me, like the big stuff. And I also want you to remember what that felt like. That's that mountaintop experience. You get the natural endorphin rush going on. You feel like there's nothing you can't take on. Are you back in that place? Put your right arm out and make a fist. I'm going to put both my hands on your arm to push down. Your job is to resist. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, it's like an oak tree. <laughs> okay, well done. Give me five. Give me a hand. Thank you. Okay. Now, I believe we as human beings... We learn things by seeing, we learn things by hearing, but only until you, what, do it, does it become real for you. That's where you really get things. So the second most difficult thing I'm going to have you do today, today, and I need your commitment that we can do this fast because of a shortage of time, but I think it's important to do it. I need you to make a discerning look around this room, and I mean use your gift of discernment to take a look around this room at who is here, because I need you to find one and only one other person in this room who is as equally good-looking as yourself. I know, I know, I ask much. I ask, oh, that was so kind, that was so kind. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pair up and I want you to give this a try. This is not rocket science, but you must, must, two more, must, must follow three steps. Here's all, make sure there's no shoulder issues, because <laughs> that'd be bad. Just test it, okay? Number one, just test it. That's step one, done. Step two, negative state. And you probably caught on, how do you help the person kind of conjure the memory? What I said is I said, what did you see? What did you hear? And what did you feel? And then give it a go. And then have them shake it off, go to the positive state. Best day of your life. What did you see? What did you hear? And what did you feel? And give it a go. Do not reverse them. If you start with positive state and you finish on negative state, you're going to leave your loved one off to the rest of their day going, ah, life sucks. Please don't do that. That's rude, 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 okay? So it's test it. Negative state. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you feel? Shake it off to positive state. Best of your life. What did you see? What did you hear? What did you feel? And give it a go. Find someone attractive, a little bit of space in the room. Do that now. Quick, quick, quick. Go, go, go. Test it. Negative state, positive state. Test it. Negative state, positive state. What did you see? What did you feel? What did you hear? Okay. So you saw something at the front. Did you experience a similar thing? Kind of creepy, isn't it? Actually, the first time I did this, it, it actually freaked me out. Um, keep in mind, I was a popo still at that time, the first time I did this. And where I might not be the brightest bulb in the pack, I connected dots of what this could potentially mean right away. And it actually, to be honest with you, disturbed me. Because the connection I made of what this actually meant, the first connection uh, that disturbed me was, this impacted my physical strength. Like, what happened from 30 seconds to 30 seconds that actually made that difference? And I had a very physical and potentially physically job, you know, active job. And so I thought, i got to pay attention. And um, so I went on a hunt to figure out what all this was about and why it was happening. Because it happens and it works with pretty much everybody. So I went on a hunt. And there's actual science attached to this. Now, keep in mind, I was raised in that strict Lutheran background. Um, my family, very European, very children, seen, not heard. Can you, some of you identify, you know, that kind of upbringing? Um, and then my first occupation, I, was, I worked in a law firm as a paralegal, very black and white world. And then you become a police officer, super black and white world. So put it this way, in my life, there was no room for any foo-foo weird stuff. <laughs> you following me? And yet I couldn't deny it, because it happened to me too. So what I want to share with you, is I want to share with you three awarenesses 
how the mind and the body are connected, but more importantly, three tricks or three, three tools to overcome it. You just experience the first awareness. Here's what it is. When you are in negative state, and hear me now, there's two parts to negative state. Negative state includes you thinking about something of a negative nature that actually really did happen, but guess what? It also includes you thinking about something of a negative nature that hasn't even happened yet. What happens to your performances? And likewise, well, that was a spit. <laughs> likewise, when you're in positive state, and that also includes both two of those things, when you are thinking about something that really did happen in your life of a positive nature, or are you thinking about something coming up like a successful life group um, that's going to go well, what happens to performances? goes up. Negative state gets you negative performances. Positive state gets you positive performances. You know this intuitively. You show up for a new ministry. You show up for a new job, a new relationship, and you're all, how do things likely unfold? <laughs> Usually bad. Oh, and just a little warning. You're going to suck the life out of everybody around you. You know those people who walk into a room and the lights go dim and nobody touched a switch. <laughs> yes. So you know this by experience and, and intuitively. And likewise, if you show up to a new season, a new chapter, or a new challenge, and you're pretty positive, things usually go pretty well, right? You know this intuitively. Negative state gets you negative performance. Positive state gets you positive performance. Okay, well, there's a problem with this that I've experienced in my life. Would you agree with me? It is not normal for us normal human beings to walk around every single moment of every single day in positive state. That's not normal, it actually. I know a woman who's like that. She drives me nuts. She's a fitness trainer. Sorry to any fitness trainers in the room. Do you know the type? You can do it. Come on. You kind of want to punch her every time I see her, which I don't. But do you know, like, that's not normal behavior. Us normal people, we have bad moods, right? Life can be hard. Fair? So I'm going to give you the first trick. That will take you from negative state into positive state. Ergo, increase your performances on demand. Sound good? Here it is. Cocaine. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. I know more than most drugs are bad, they ruin lives. Uh, would you stand here for a second for me? Okay. I, I, I doubted if I was going to do that, but I thought, well, if it's going to flow, it's going to flow. Okay, we have you stand here. What is your name? Aaron. Aaron. Okay, let's assume for a second that Aaron has been selected as a messenger. Okay, so it's his job to tell everybody something, and not just something, some really bad news, like someone has died kind of bad news. It's just his job. He's just the messenger. Do you got the picture I'm painting? He has to tell everybody. Okay, when everybody stand up where you are, don't go anywhere, but just stand up where you are. Now, take on the body position. What would he look like having to come in and tell all these people he truly cares about some awful, terrible, bad news? Take, and you do it as well. Take on the body position. What would you look like? Do that now. Okay, now freeze. Tell me. Articulate. What are you doing? Slouching. Shoulders are slouched. What else? Closing yourself in. Heads are tilted down, which usually means the eyes are down on the floor. I like how you said slouching in. I bet if we took an aerial photograph, everybody's ever so slightly even leaning forward. Arms will be into the body, whether it's front or back. And faces, well, how do we, um, drawn, uh, somber faces. Okay, now shake that off, because you're sucking the life out of the room. Now everybody stand with your feet about shoulder width apart. Lift up your shoulders, throw them back, chest out if you have one. <laughs> if not, I know where to buy them. <laughs> now, I want you to tilt your chin towards the ceiling. And I want you to put the biggest poop-eating grin you can muster on your face. The funniest thing you've ever seen in your life is on that ceiling. Okay, huge grin, big grin. Let me see your teeth. Big, toothy grin. Correct your posture. Superhero tall. Nice and tall. Okay, now while you're doing that, get depressed. <laughs> Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Correct your posture. Correct your... Get depressed. Keep smiling. Big smile. Nice and strong. 
Okay, have a seat. Thank you. You can't do it, can you? And actually, if you can, in fact, do that, you should probably talk to somebody because <laughs> that's not normal. As most of us people, we can't do it. So here's where it comes in. Awareness number one, negative state gets you negative performance. Positive state gets you positive performance. What's the trick? If you're in cranky pants mood, but you got to kick it up, especially in a personal testimony, to kick it up, like the, when the stakes are, are potentially very large, when you have to do whatever it is you have to do, you want to take yourself out of negative state, how do you do it? We just did the trick. What is it? Use your body. Use your body. Here's where the science comes in. Fascinating stuff. Guess what? When you are standing nice and tall with your chin slightly lifted and a smile on your face, you know what's happening? Your entire central nervous system is sending signals to your brain telling you, I feel happy. <laughs> Any Monty Python fans? Come on, there's got to be one. Uh, I think I'll go for a walk. Bring out your dead. <laughs> you know it. You know it. You're sick like me. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's a scientific thing. Harvard Business School came out with a similar study. They called it power pose, blah, blah, blah. It's the same stuff, just different verbiage, okay? So awareness number one, negative state gets you negative performance. Positive state gets you positive performance. What's the trick? If you're in a bad state, but you know you gotta kick it up to deliver on whatever that challenge is, use your body. It, this one is almost instantaneous. It's so effective. I use this as a speaker, obviously. I mean, have you seen me stand? I stand pretty tall and I do a lot of, ah, I'm so nervous today. <laughs> so I'm doing this. Um, I use it as a speaker, I use it in my business, I use it in my faith. Um, as a cop, how do cops walk? Come on, throw it out, I quit, I don't care. Come on, be honest. How do cops walk? Okay. <laughs> oh, she's even got it, yes. That is, that is, okay. I'm gonna do it, yeah, well done, well done. I think we're seeing similarities, yes? Yeah. Actually, you forgot one thing, or you didn't accentuate it enough. Wait, wait, ah, best rack. hold on, hold on, wait. Right, right, before I became a cop, I used to think that all cops thought they were Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Since the muscles were so big that they couldn't put their arms down, right? You know that? Actually, until I went to quarter masters and got my kit, and I realized, you can't put your arms down. There's 25 pounds of gear around. For me, it was like handcuff, swing, gun, wing. But are you seeing some similarities to what we just did in what I call the cop walk, right? And, and do you think they teach this to recruits and recruit training? Should they? Yeah. There's tons of science to back this up, but they haven't quite caught up yet. First time I learned the cop walk is the first time I got an ashtray thrown in the side of my head. <laughs> Long story short, I spent my first six years working in Forest Lawn. Okay, some of you know it's colorful. It's a colorful community, okay? Lots of mission work available, people. Just saying. <laughs> Arm yourself and go in. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> But, so I was there a lot, and I was always at this one bar. It was called the TNC or the Town and Country Hotel. Arguably the roughest bar in Calgary. It's a biker bar. And I attended there as a very junior constable for a fight. It's 1014. You have to appreciate something about the TNC. A fight at the TNC isn't two dudes in the parking lot going, let's go. A fight at the TNC is a brawl. Okay, there's people flying, furniture flying, like these are, it, it's significant. So, I go to break up this brawl. And the only thing I remember from my recruit training, take good notes. Take good notes, you'll be in court one day. Take good notes. So here I am walking into a bar fight with my notebook and my pen out. <laughs> Seriously, hunched over, arrived at the TNC, 22.59 hours. Well, do you think the C parted and they all went, oh, cops are here? 
Yeah, no. That's why I got the ashtray thrown in the side of my head. Learned many valuable lessons, but one of which was how I carried myself. And think about the link here, even. It impacts your physical strength as well as your mental performance. And so from that moment forward, I realized how important this was, and it became a ritual for me. When I started my shift every day, um, you know what? Sometimes I was like this, to be honest, because life can be hard, especially my home life. And I knew I couldn't be here to deliver and do what I needed to do. So it was a ritual. As soon as that vest went on, I stood up nice and tall, I lifted up my chin, I put a smile on my face, and I didn't actually say, oh, I feel happy, because no one will work with you when you talk like that. <laughs> but in my head, I said it. And I remembered to carry myself. Now, here's a double benefit. Does how you carry yourself have a direct impact on how others perceive you? Massive. And I will take it as far as to uh, take it to incompetent or competent, simply by the way you carry yourself. You are representing God. Like, that's, there's no greater uh, thing to, uh, person to represent. And, and, you know, you go forward with that and you show his light through your posture. I mean, that's a double benefit. Um, but it will also increase your performances. I got to use this in a very odd application. In some way, it was a ministry. Well, it was definitely a ministry for me. My life fell apart about three, four years ago now, and I lost my dad. Um, and I loved my dad. I lost my mom when I was 26, so he was it. And he was my business mentor, he was my friend and my father. Like, he was just, I was blessed, very blessed with the dad. And it happened very quickly. He didn't feel good, and so the doctor said, go get an ultrasound at the hospital, because I know we're jumping cues there, but we knew it would happen faster, right? So he just, he went to the hospital to get an ultrasound. And he passed in 21 days. Well, during those 21 days, my father gave me two deathbed requests. Has anyone here ever had a deathbed request? It's a tough gig, isn't it? It's super tough gig. It's an honor, but it's a tough gig. My dad asked two things of me. He said, Deb, take care of my boys. And what he meant by that was his employees. My father was also an entrepreneur, and he had a company, and he wanted me to take over that and make sure they were taken care of, you know, because he worried about their jobs and their lives and their families. And second thing he asked of me, he said, take care of Mama Linda. Now, Mama Linda is my stepmom. So when my mom passed, uh, eventually my dad remarried, and I really love her. She's cute. She's little. <laughs> We're big. She's little. <laughs> and she's sweet, and I, I, I just love her to death for sure. And he meant, like, financially, even take care of her, make sure she's going to be okay. Loved my dad. And so I said to my father, for you, I will do these things to the best of my ability. Well, my dad owned <clears throat> a hydronic heating manufacturing plant. <laughs> I know. Okay, everyone in this room is more qualified than I am to run a hydronic heating manufacturing plant. I actually had to look up the word hydronic. It means water. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. You can imagine my negative state. Plus, you know, I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself. Don't we do this sometimes when a challenge presents itself to us or if you feel called by something and you think of all these excuses of why you're not the guy? Um, and, you know, I had all these excuses. I'm the baby. I have two older siblings. I'm supposed to be the irrational fun one. <laughs> I'm the baby of the family, right? This is supposed to go to my older siblings, but no, they have real jobs. Yeah. <laughs> my sister works for the federal government. Ooh, so important. And my brother, ooh, he's an ordained pastor. He has two Congregations. Okay, I can't argue with that one. But, but it doesn't get bigger than that. However, so, you know, I'm, I'm all these excuses, but I knew. I knew that this was from God, and I knew that I had to do it, even though I was completely unequipped. And so I thought, well, use your tricks, right? You know, this is about getting the most out of yourself and uh, getting the talents and the gifts God's given you into play. Like, you know, these are, these are things to help you. So I thought, okay, day one, I used this one. Day one. 
So, and even before I got to the manufacturing plant, which I had to drive from Northwest Calgary to Southeast Calgary to the Foothills Industrial Park on Deerfoot Trail every day. Come on, does that not put you in negative state, <laughs> right? It's a little thing, but it, it's a thing. And you don't realize how much it can impact you. So I started literally driving down Deerfoot Trail day one, nice and straight, bullet straight, you know, through the traffic. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and I walked into that building where I had assembled my troops for my opening address, if you will. So I gathered all the guys in there into our lunchroom, and, and so I walked down that hallway, I used this trick, I stood up nice and tall, and I stood before my new men, and I paused, and I smiled. And you can imagine what I saw before me. What I saw before me was a lot of this, and rightly so. They loved my dad. He was a phenomenal leader. They were upset. They were grieving his loss. Plus, I think they were showing me respect as well with their body posture. Plus, they're terrified because they know I'm taking over. <laughs> and they know I know nothing, right? And so, actually, I found out later there was a pool going around the shop of how many months it would take for Deb to tank the business. <laughs> and I wanted in. <laughs> that was easy money. I gave myself four months max. <laughs> so, but I stood there. And I paused and I used this trick and I just waited for a few moments. And it was fascinating to see what happened. I saw them change from this to this. And I dare say I could call what I saw hope. Hadn't even spoken a word. And then I dashed that hope with the first words out of my mouth. I should have thought that through with a bit more clarity. True story. My opening line was, okay, so, you know, good morning. Uh, my name is Deb. Some of you know me. I'm going to be taking over the business. I just want to start with one question. And they're all like, I could feel their energy behind me. It's like, okay, whatever you need. We're, we're, we're with you here, Deb. We're going to make this work. And my first question was, what do we do here? <laughs> they're like, oh, crap, we're doomed. <laughs> Yeah, I should have thought that through. But I use this trick in so many applications to bring out your best, to be able to perform at the upper limits of your gifts and your talents when you're feeling that stress and pressure. And I use that on a daily basis uh, during all of my days running that manufacturing plant. It does work and it's almost instantaneous. Second awareness. Has anyone here ever dabbled, tested, played around with any kind of visualization techniques? Has anyone ever done any of it? Few of you. Okay, what did you use it for? What was the application? Stress. Stress management. That's a big one. Um, some people use it for, um, yeah, calming down. Some sports athletes use it all the time. Um, it's, I think they invented the whole concept of it. And you're probably doing it and you don't even know it. Here's what it is. Let me take the mystery out of it. I actually don't use the term visualization very much because, but people can connect with that because not everybody is visually oriented. Uh, if you tell a coworker or someone, can you picture the blah, 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 and you get a blank stare back, it doesn't mean they're dumb. <laughs> but it means they might not process information visually, so you've got to take a different approach. And so I call it mental imagery or mental rehearsal. We can all imagine, yes? We have great imaginations. So here's all it is. It's just like you putting yourself as the main character of a story, a script, a film, whatever it is, and imagining yourself play through the scene. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's like daydreaming. Who here can daydream? <laughs> Who's daydreaming right now? <laughs> Be present. <laughs> but that's all it is. It's like it's functional daydreaming. Here's awareness number two. Did you know that visualizing or mentally rehearsing something has been proven to be just as effective as physically practicing? I will repeat that. Visualizing or mentally rehearsing has been proven to be just as effective as physically practicing. University study. They took three groups of students. First group of students physically practiced shooting 25 foul shots every day for 30 days. Okay? Second group just simply imagined, didn't touch a ball, but imagined shooting 25 foul shots every day for 30 days. The last group did nothing. 
Well, at the end of the 30 days, they tested them to see what would happen. Guess what happened? First group who physically practiced shot 23 out of 25 baskets. Pretty good, yes? Second group who didn't touch a ball but imagined doing it shot 23 out of 25 baskets. The last group shot 10. It's just as good as physically practicing. That is the awareness. Here is the trick. What will happen, and I, I learned this one the hard way as I have everything in life, if you uh, connect that dot to a little bit of your life experiences, what will happen in the challenges you undertake or the ones that happen upon you, because we don't always get to choose our challenges in life, fair? What will happen if you get that stimulus, that call, that whatever it is, and you start imagining things going badly? You just practiced it. And I will write your script for you. If you make that a life habit, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to get so good at that. You're going to wake up as a masterful failure. <laughs> right? You're going to get really good at that. Uh, I learned that the hard way um, through a couple of experiences. Uh, the, most, the biggest one, uh, in 1996, I was diagnosed with cancer. Not a pleasant experience, but I learned a ton. And the first thing I learned was um, we respond to that kind of news in a couple different ways. Some people respond, they go, uh, didn't see that coming. You know what? I'm getting a second opinion. No, maybe a third. And I'll do whatever treatments it takes. I'm going to fight this one. I'm going to win. Do you know people like that? Yeah, I do too. And some people get that news and they go, uh, didn't see that coming. This isn't fair. Why me? I'm too young. This isn't right. Well, I'm ashamed to admit to you, but that time in my life, I fell firmly on my face into category two. And I started imagining. Show me mercy. Do we not do this? You get some news, you start imagining. It's our human nature. Well, I started imagining the end. And I am a creative woman. <laughs> What's the big event we have when we pass? What is it? What do we have? <gasps> you should have seen it. Like, seriously, epic. Like, epic. Epic, the worship team. Like, imagine your best choreographed event ever. I had the flowers picked out. I had the Jack Simpson Auditorium booked. Because, <laughs> you know, that many people would come to my funeral. Maybe not 5,000, but, you know, there'd be a lot of people. And, you know, I had the, um, uh, guys, uh, bagpipers, the honor guard, right? The cops with the, the skirts and the, the things. Um, and, you know, so I had it all pictured. I had, like, the eulogy kind of even figured out of who's going to deliver and say what things. As a matter of fact, I got so created uh, out of control, actually, in planning this thing that it dawned on me the people I had selected to say nice things about me, you know what? Not all of those people know all the wonderful things I've done. Maybe I'll write it down for them. <laughs> Seriously. I almost wrote it myself just to get it right. <laughs> I know, A-type, I'm better now. <laughs> But if you chase that train down that track, as it relates to awareness number two, what was I in essence practicing doing? Dying. How do you think I responded to treatments? Not so good. Until I clued into this and the final thing I'm going to share with you, and if I may put a caveat to this, it doesn't work out well for everybody. Fair statement? Okay. But, and I thought to myself, Deb, oh Deb, maybe, just maybe, you should consider rehearsing and daydreaming living and getting better, and healing, and all the cool stuff left to come. And so I turned that creativity into all the awesome things I was looking forward to. I started imagining the dream vacation. You know what? I travel extensively for my work. And um, I go to places like Vermilion. <laughs> hey, I'm a rock star in Vermilion. Like, seriously, they love me there. I go to Fort McMurray. Nobody books me in Mexico. <laughs> 
So, but you know, I'd never gone on that dream vacation. So I started imagining going to that, you know, all-inclusive, um, you know, where you lay, like I'm talking the brain dead vacation, where you just lay there on a beach with, you know, a fruit thing and a book that you may or may not be reading. It's irrelevant and drool. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, those kinds of trips, never done it. Well, you know what? I did take that trip. It was about, I don't know, five or seven years ago now. And okay, my dad paid for it and the whole family had to come, but it still counts. <laughs> still counts. I went. I started imagining all the cool stuff to come, my retirement, all these sorts of things. Obviously, I stand here before you today, so obviously God had different plans for me. Um, and yes, I'm very grateful for every single moment that I get, but I learned some valuable stuff on that. And that is what you're rehearsing, it's just as good as physically practicing. So here's the trick. Make sure whatever it is you allow yourself to daydream through, to the best of your ability and self-control, make sure that thought process has what kind of outcome? A positive or successful outcome, it's just as good as practicing. Where am I at? I, I, do I, can I do this, the gun story? No, yes, no, no. Mm. Looking for guidance, looking for guidance, looking. There's, it's a polite smile. Okay, I'm going to take a polite smile. I use this uh, trick in a very practical way. When I joined the Calgary Police Service in 1988, when I was 10, <laughs> ish, <laughs> we had 38 revolvers. Now, if you don't know guns, a 38 revolver is the type of gun that has like a round cylinder. You can flick it out and you can spin it. You put six rounds into it with a speed loader, smack it back in. Can you picture that kind of gun? A revolver. I'd never touched a gun. I grew up in Marlboro and I'd never touched a gun. <laughs> My sister, on the other hand, no, just kidding. Uh, but, but it was good because I had no bad habits. So I went into training. I looked at my 23 classmates and had a pretty healthy attitude. I said, well, if they can do it, I could do it. Positive or negative, right? I set myself up for success, didn't even know I did it. And I went through training and I came out top of my class. As a matter of fact, I got the Dirty Harriet Award, <laughs> which is ironic because my middle name happens to be Henrietta. <laughs> True story, cruel parents, don't do that to your kids. Anyways, so shooting was never a problem for me. I was like, I got to wear special medals on my uniform to symbolize good marksmanship. Well, the police in the city of Calgary have to requalify with their handgun four times a year. Okay, so you got to go down quarterly and get, go down to the range and you have to get tested, essentially. Shotgun is once a year. <laughs> it's a shotgun. It's not that hard. <laughs> Handgun's a little trickier. So every time I win, how do you think I did? Positively or negatively? Possibly. I'm really good at this. No problem. Well, the only thing I can guarantee you in life is that no matter how smooth things seem to be going, eventually things will always change. And if you're really uncomfortable with change, I'm going to give you a tip here that'll make your life so much smoother. If you're one of those change resistors, um, if you really think about it, what is life if not a series of changes. You know, the, the quicker you get comfortable with it, the, the smoother things will be for you. So things change at the Calgary Police Service. And they learned that that 38 revolver did more damage throwing it at someone <laughs> than it did actually firing a round out of it. Super weak gun. So we got new guns. And now they give us 40 cal semi-auto Glock. Now, for those of you who don't know guns, this is the type of gun that has a clip or a magazine. You know, some people call it a mag. It's got 15 rounds shoved into that thing, and it forms part of the handle of the gun. That gun is almost entirely plastic, except the top. And when you squeeze the trigger, the top of the gun goes back and forth very, very quickly, ejecting a cartridge out the top. Can you picture that kind of gun? Rambo gun. This is a Rambo gun. I don't know how to use a Rambo gun. You know, and I'm starting thinking, plus, how do we typically respond to change, be honest? negatively. And what if they change things and you're really good at the way it is? Has anyone been in this situation? I just learned this software! Ah! 
ah, you know, you feel me, right? And so I'm really good at it. And like, no change. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it at people. It's okay. Let me keep my 38. Well, change came and, and they didn't, we didn't all get our new guns at the same time because that would have been chaos. <laughs> Picture, yeah, on. So they phased them in. So we didn't all get our guns at the same time. I didn't have mine yet. And the story started. The story. One of the things that will kill a congregation, the, one of the fastest way is gossip. And I lost that church uh, where I set up the chairs at the community hall because of that. Truly, it was, it was from that. And you know what? If change isn't communicated effectively, people by nature will fill in the blanks, whether it's real, accurate, or not. And so the cops started filling in the blanks, and they are terrible gossips. Like, horrible. I've never seen the likes of it. I've worked with 300 female support staff in a law firm. You think that'd be the gossip haven of everywhere? Oh, they got nothing on cops. You really want to find out what's going on? Listen to them at the Tim Hortons. What they're doing is they're stabbing each other in the back. <laughs> Anyways, they need your prayer. <laughs> So they started giving her this about the new gun. I'm already kind of nervous about it, to be honest. And so I'm sitting there. I'm tired. I'm cranky. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. The guy gives her this about the gun. He says, yeah, man. Do you hear about Bob down at the range? I'm like, no, I didn't hear a thing. What happened to Bob? Yeah, Bob forgot the gun has a different action. So years of muscle memory, he drew the old way, but he had his thumb up. And so he pulled the trigger, and the thing came off, and it ripped his thumb right off his hand, and it splattered in his face and went past him and hit the range officer, and there was blood and thumb everywhere. And I'm like, <laughs> he had my attention. You want to see Freak Show? Come look at my thumbs after I'm done. This thumb is only half the size of this thumb. I don't know why. I was just born that way. I have one of those ugly toe thumbs. It looks like they took a big toe and sewed it on my hand. It's just this funny mushroom thing. But I can't afford to lose more of it. Okay? It's, it's an itty-bitty thing. So I'm freaking out. I'm gonna, it's going to happen to me. I'm going to lose your, your toe thumb. This is bad news. And so I'm terrified. Well, I go into my training, and I, I went through that. I was about a five-day course, and I came out average. Well, you know what? I wasn't used to being average. I'm used to functioning up here, and all of a sudden, I'm average. Well, every time I went in to qualify, a script started playing in my head, not intentionally. We don't do this intentionally. But I started imagining screwing up the qualification period. And you know what? I made that very real for myself. And I'm ashamed to admit this, because some of you know cops. Please don't share this. <laughs> but I got so bad that it took me, on the, on the final straw, it took me seven times to qualify. Seven times. This is obviously a safety issue. <laughs> Not just for me or my partner, but the general public. <laughs> they go, yeah, I got it, tell me! <laughs> this is a problem. And if I may for just one second, if you are a female in that occupation and you can't shoot, you're done. Like, it's, it's over. Your career's done. I had multiple levels of stress and pressure. Multiple levels. I had to get my performance back up. So I thought, well, try this visualization thing. What do you have to lose by trying this, by, by the way? Right. Nothing. And so I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I did it sort of in an advanced way, which is called kinesthetic visualization, where I physically went through the motions. Athletes do it. So I would do that. Beginning, end of my shift, I'd stand at home. Usually I'd remember to close the blinds, but not always. <laughs> it's a nosy neighbor. What is she doing over there? <laughs> but I would close my eyes. I'd stand there. I'd picture the scene. I could see the target way down range. I'm in the range. I know what it looks like. I'm anticipating in my mind's eye. I can hear the range officer behind me. He's yelling, screaming. Breathing's under control, waiting. Target turns. Hand comes up out of the trigger lock. Gun comes out. Squeeze, squeeze. Gun comes down. Scan. Target turns again. Gun comes up. Squeeze, squeeze. Gun comes down. Target turns. Scan. Next time, target turns, gun comes up, squeezes, jam, tap it, rack it, clear the action, squeeze one more, gun comes down, scan. And of course, every time in my mind's eye, where are my rounds going? 
group this big central body mass exactly where I want them. How do you think I did the very next time I went in to qualify? First shot. Wasn't quite that tight, but he would have been killed to death. <laughs> Nothing like a couple melon shots to seal the deal. <laughs> Sorry, black humor. <laughs> but <laughs> you're going to get that from a cop. Um, but here's the moral of the story. In between that terrible performance and the excellent performance, I never touched my gun, other than loading and unloading at the beginning and end of shift. How to use this in a practical way in your life? Mental rehearse thing. Know that it is just as effective as physically practicing. What is the trick? Please, to the best of your self-control and ability, and please teach this to your kids. Make sure whatever it is that you allow yourself to daydream through has a successful or positive outcome. And you know what? And that even that applies to giving your testimony. Visualize it. I sat in the parking lot from 8 a.m., uh, and uh, because I do that every single time because, you know, even though my presentations are rarely faith-based, like I can't go there because, you know, it's a corporate sort of situation, although I squeeze it in where I can. Um, but I mentally rehearse everything I do. All, every presentation, I sit in my car and I go through my head, and, or you can't always control other people's reaction. You can uh, control practicing, doing your very, very best, using the gifts that God has given you to the very best of your ability. Mentally rehearse it. Just make sure you rehearse it to a positive, successful outcome. It's just as good as practicing. The last thing I want to share with you is this, and it has the potential to be very life-altering for you. I know it was for me. And it is about your self-image. What is self, it's not self-esteem. I don't know anything about self-esteem. Other than you should have some, it should be good. <laughs> but I know a great deal about self-image. What is it? Define, define it for me. What is self-image? Perfectly and succinctly said. How you see yourself. Does everybody here have a self-image? Yeah. Of course you do. Now, let's take it more advanced. Would you agree everybody in this room has a self-image in every category of your life? Yes. How much you weigh? how good you are at exercise, um, how, you, how good you are standing up in front of others, how good you are in conflict situations, what kind of parent you are, how good you are in relationships, how good you are on the keyboard, um, how much money you make, how much you give, if you're a generous person or not, how good you are at spelling, how good you are at math. Here's one that's a bit of a misnomer, how good of a winter driver you are. <laughs> I'm a great, no, you're not. <laughs> but, you know, we have an image of ourselves, fair? Of in every single aspect of your life. Now, I am visual, so in order for me to make some growth and to fulfill my life purpose, which, by the way, uh, just falling off those videos, it was very clear to me when I was 27, it hit me in the forehead, it is to be a servant. Like, period, end of story. That's, that, it's pretty simple. Um, and so in order for me to make some growth, because I wasn't living that life prior to that time, I thought, you got to change some of the images that you believe about yourself. And so I had to create a visual image. So work with me. Can't see one here. Can you picture the thermostat in your house? Okay, I have an old house, so I still have a lever. Do you remember the levers on the bottom? Now they're all digital. Okay, you're working with me. I want you to imagine that this little thermostat, and you've taken that down. If you turn the temperature up to 70 degrees, how hot will your house get? 70 degrees. You turn it down to 50, what happens? It shuts off, and it readjusts to where you've set it, correct? Okay, I want you to imagine that this little dial represents a category of your self-image in that wherever you set it be it high or be it low. Just like the temperature in your house, you will never, ever, ever, ever outperform it. Your performances will always come in alignment with where you believe your abilities to lie. Put it in these terms. You tell a five-year-old child every day of his life he is stupid. How is he likely going to perform in school? Right? Think about generational welfare families. You know, it's like generation after generation. This is what they know. 
Domestic violence. It's a lot more complicated than some people give it credit for. Just leave. It's not like that. It's hard to break out of this self-image. It takes a lot of support. You feel me? Wherever you set that dial, you'll never outperform it. That's awareness number three. Here's the trick. Can you change that dial? Yes, you can. I can. And sometimes it gets changed for you from someone else. Yes? Yeah. There's two, two steps involved in changing that dial. Number one is the hardest because you have to make a committed decision to change it. And you know what? That's the hardest part sometimes. Uh, and what I find in my Christian faith, sometimes it's making a committed decision to let things go and not have control over it myself because that's my nature, right? And that's hard. You have to make that capital C commitment and say, okay, I'm done with that. No more. No more. I'm finished. It's not who I want to be. It's not who he wants me to be. That's the hardest part. Once you've done that, how on earth do you get the temperature to catch up to your new setting? It is as simple and as complex, as simple and as complex as disciplining what goes on in that melon of yours. Everybody in this room does this. And if you don't do this, please come and identify yourself because I'm going to take you home and cut you in half and study you because <laughs> that's not normal. <laughs> but all of us have what I call limiting beliefs. And you know what they do? They suck you back from the potential God expects of you. They hold you back and you're doing this or maybe another entity, if you follow me, is doing that. And, and it'll happen all the time. Um, and they're always I statements, right? One of my topics is personal safety. Uh, and not like slips, trips, falls, like some tax you. What do you do? And there's a self-limiting belief that is very common. I'm going to pick on women for just one second because I am one. Give me an example. What do you think a self-limiting belief might be from a female perspective of why she cannot defend herself? I what? I'm not strong enough. I'm too weak. Nothing would come out when I try and scream. I would freeze. Are you following me? Well, guess what? They'll always be too weak. Nothing will come out when they try and scream, and it'll take hold of them and pull them back. Do you see the, the connection? Okay, now I want you to think back to the very beginning when I had you pick a challenge. Put that challenge back in your head, whatever it was you picked. Got it? Oh, that was a weird sound. I don't think I've ever made that sound before. Yeah, that's what your brain sounds like, by the way, conjuring them things. <laughs> weird. Okay, do you got it back in your head? One of these things is going to suck you back from completing that mission. What is it? I what? I can't. That's top five right there. That's the big kahuna. What else? Oh, top five. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. It's too hard. Biggest kahuna right there. I'm not good enough. I will fail. Here's what I'm going to throw out there, because I know I felt this in my, my spiritual walk. I'm not worthy, which is true, <laughs> and that's why the price was paid for us. However, I am worth something because he made me, right? So, and that can suck a lot of people back, especially when you're trying to go out and share your faith. Right? Any others? What's going to stop you? I'm afraid. I don't have the skills. I'm not equipped. I don't have the money. I can't afford it. Are you feeling me? Okay, if you're honest, have these things. I'm a speaker, for goodness sakes. This is terrifying. <laughs> I sent a message to my brother, the, the preacher, this morning, because this is a different level of pressure for me. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I don't get fearful of speaking, but the, the stakes are higher here. <laughs> and, and so I sent my brother a text who's probably preparing his sermons, and <laughs> I'm going, man, do I respect what you do. 
if I've never told you before, now's the time, right? Because I have self-limiting beliefs, you know, that I know can limit myself or limit God through me interfering with these things, right? You know, oh, they'll hate you. Oh, you'll spit on someone real bad. Oh, your fly will be undone. True story happens all the time. Uh, like, you know, like all this stuff, but it pulls me back from God's potential. If you're honest, can you relate to it? Okay, very good. Uh, I can't be present. I can't focus, right? Okay, this is what I want you to do when those things pop through your head, because they will, or some of us actually vocalize them. Teenagers are masters at this. I'm so fat. I'm so stupid. I'll never pass the test. I suck at math, right? Do you feel me? Guess what? They'll never pass that math test. They won't. It's a, it's a barrier. They're putting it in front of themselves. They don't even realize they're doing it. This is what I want you to do when those things pop through your head. I want you to do this. Don't do this. Has anyone seen Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer? He does that to dogs. He goes, like that to correct their behavior. Don't do that to each other because that's called assault. (laughs) I can just see a church going, stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Okay, you can if you want, as long as there's a common agreement, I guess. (laughs) But you go, and you stop it and you replace it with what I call an empowering belief. And it's not always the opposite, actually. It's not always. But again, there are always I statements. So think about your challenge. What is going to get that temperature to catch up? I what? I have a lot of energy. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, I can get cocaine. No, sorry. (laughs) I just thought I'd go back to that. (laughs) What else? I have what? I can what? I can do this. Favorite one in the world? Ooh, I am more than a conqueror. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Got a tip for you? If you can't spell a word and you're up front in front of a whole bunch of people, you do this. And they'll never know you couldn't spell it. That one's free. <laughs> I love that. What else? I what? Yes, that gets an amen. Amen. Love it. This is one of the things that I say. And I said to myself in my uh, vehicle this morning, because I was letting these things get a hold of me, and I was praying, and one of the things I go, okay, well, what, what are your empowering beliefs? And you know, one of them was, I can't, but God can. And I remind myself of that often when I feel that I'm not equipped. Well, if he called you there, he had a plan anyway, so get over yourself. It's not all about you. <laughs> Sometimes I actually do that. <laughs> That's a good reminder. Okay, busy people in the room. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. What can you say instead? Because I know there's people in this room who are feeling that, especially in a church. In a church, there's a small amount, at least my experience, there's a small amount of people who do most of the work. True? I don't know if it's the same here. Maybe you're sharing it all equally. If so, yay, well done. Uh, But I belonged in small churches my whole life, with the exception of now where I attend Center Street. And the way I got to Center Street is I got burnt out. I did. And, um, you know, uh, I, I really had to look at this. And this morning, it was the same sort of thing. I can't. God can. Um, what about the busyness of life? What do you tell yourself differently? I have time. And what if you don't have time? That's it. I can make time. 
You know what? Up until recently, I running my dad's business, plus I have my own company, and this might not seem big to you, but my business, Safe and Sound, uh, at my max, I had 45 contractors, 45 employees, and we travel all over the country teaching this, that, and the other thing. So for you, it might be a small sort of thing, especially if you work in a big company, but for me, it was a pretty big deal, and I was quite busy. And then I got a, a manufacturing plant to run. So I was working seven days a week, 14 hours a day for two years. Was I busy? Uh-huh. Was I stressed? No. And the reason I wasn't stressed is because I dealt with this prior to that event. It's like God prepared me in this category because he knew that could be something I'd fall on my face with, but I had actually learned this lesson prior to that challenge that God gave me in that this is how I manage my time. When people ask of me, I measure it to my priorities. And if you don't know your priorities, take five minutes to figure it out. It's not a complicated exercise, especially in this faith group. They're, they're pretty simple, what your priorities should be. So I, when people ask of me, I measure it to my priorities. If it fits my priorities, and if it's honorable and it has integrity, I will make the time. And you know what? I really genuinely felt that what I was doing had honor and integrity, and so I made the time, knowing it was a season. Knowing it was a season. And you know what? God blessed it richly. Because when I took over, it was millions in debt. And apparently my dad was sick for quite a while and didn't show it. He was one of those tough guys. And he didn't even know he was as sick as he was. And uh, so business had slipped. And so this was a huge challenge. I figured at least five years to repair the company uh, to get it into a profitable position. And I didn't have the support of many to be honest. And that is something that I want to encourage you. When you feel a challenge coming or you have an igniting of a, of a different idea, you feel you're being led, how do you know if it's from you or from God? One of the ways we can do that is we go to our spiritual family and we run it by each other to see if there's a confirmation or affirmation from our, our church family. And you know what? Some of my church family, well, no, my actual family who claim to be church family, won't get into that, um, weren't in support, and they said, strip it down, sell off the parts. The inventory was super old, and I wouldn't have got 10 cents on the dollar, leaving my stepmom stranded, and I knew that wasn't the way. Plus, I, you know, I, I'd know a thing about, to her about business. And so, but my husband supported me a 1,000%. He really did, and he is a true man of God. And I felt led to do it, so it had honor and it had integrity. Was I busy? Yes, but I wasn't stressed, because I knew I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. What a glorious... What a glorious gift that is, even through the hard work. If you really know you're doing God's work, you get the energy. Yeah. You know, it, 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 he will equip you for whatever it is. And so I made the time for that, and I wasn't stressed by it, knowing there's a season. You also have to acknowledge that if it's a stressful event, you can handle it. It'll make you more resilient. It'll make you more reliant on God, actually, during those stressful events. They're almost like a gift, but there has to be an end to it or some sort of respite. I hope you do know that. Yes? And I knew there would be an end to this. I figured five years, God took two, which was amazing. And successful end to the story, turned that from a lost position into a profitable position, sold the snot out of it to one of our customers, negotiated jobs for all of the employees so they got to keep their jobs, and all the money went to stepmom, check and check. To God be the glory for that, because I had nothing to do that. I was just the instrument, I, I, more like a robot. <laughs> what today? Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, it was an amazing thing. And this one I learned, thankfully, prior to that experience. If you're honest, can you look at one or two of these things that in those difficult challenges, when you are knocking yourself down, if you start going and replacing that with that empowering belief, it just might catch up your temperature a little bit more to this, the challenge that you have before you, yes? What do you have to lose by trying this? Nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm going to recap 
And I want to leave you with hopefully some encouraging words. Three awareness is three techniques. First awareness, negative state will get you negative performance. Positive state will get you positive performance. What is the trick? You're in cranky pants mood, but you got to kick it up to deliver on whatever it is you have to deliver. What's the trick? Okay, everybody just sit in your chairs like nice and, and give me a big toothy grin. Come on, big one. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful smile you have. Use it more. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. Oh, I feel happy. Central nervous system, Monty Python. It's coconut, right? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Number two, awareness number two. Visualizing or mental rehearsing has been proven to be just as uh, effective as physically practicing. What is the trick? Make sure whatever it is you allow yourself to daydream through has a successful outcome. It's just as good as practicing. And awareness number three. Wherever you set that dial, you'll never outperform it. So how do, you, how do you fix that? You can change that dial. Ask for God's direction in this case of what that image needs to be. And when those self-limiting beliefs start sucking you back, you go, psst, but psst, don't do that unless you have commitment and consensus. Psst, psst, psst. And you replace it with an empowering belief. Trick number one is almost instantaneous. Like literally, it'll work with you for you very quickly. Physiological response. Trick number two, mental rehearsing for success, is quite quick, but not instantaneous. Trick number three, could take you a lifetime, depending on the category issue you're working on, but I guarantee you it will be well worth the journey. Yes, it will be. All right, I'm going to finish off with a caution. These three tricks, do they work? Yes, they do. I've used them multitude different examples and places. I've coached others to use them, uh, and, and you've probably used them. You don't even know you're using them. Um, do they work? Yes, they do. Here's when I want you to use them. Please use them when you need to perform at the upper limits of your talents when you're feeling stress and pressure. Does that phrase sound familiar? It should I set it by design four times? <laughs> what they are not is they are not a way of life. I do not personally believe that you can positive think your way through your whole life because it's not real. Are you feeling me? Yeah. Um, it's, it, it isn't. And I want to caution you, we need to have to experience negative state. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that, but when things are hard, you actually have to go through it. Period. End of story. You, you, you pray for peace that surpasses all understanding, but you have to go through negative state. And what a gift that is. I know that sounds weird, but this is a gift. Having to go through negative state, if you've never done that, you'll never know this. Life's a continuum where you've got the bad stuff and we've got the good stuff. And we were not guaranteed, especially as Christians, of an easy life, right? So you have to experience negative state. Do it in an appropriate fashion in your church family, please, <laughs> and put a time limit on it. Because at, at some point, you have to shake it off. It might be five minutes, it might be five hours, it might be five months. In my case, it was two years, right? I had to delay the grieving of my father for a couple of years because I needed to do what I had to do in order to get the job done. But after that was, ink was dry on that contract, I went away and I, and I just let it all out, right? You have to experience negative state because without that, you'll never know how God can work in your life to see the pure joy. You've never known fear. You're never going to know safety. So use them when you need to perform at the upper limits of your talents when you're under stress and pressure. And I'll finish with this. My whole purpose, as I said, was to be a servant to others. I figured that out a long time ago, which is really great. But I want you to use these for one real purpose, at least consider using it for one real purpose, and this is mine. I use these things to face the challenges that get put before me for seven words. For seven words. When I meet my maker, and I can't wait for that day, don't worry, I'm not like trying to make it happen faster. Because <laughs> clearly he still needs me here for whatever. But I want to hear seven words when I'm done. I can use these tricks. So I hear this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to thank you for having me up here today. 
and um, I didn't sweat too much, so I must have been okay. And I wish you all the best of success and, and God's safety in your journeys and all the challenges to come. Thank you. Well, if it's your uh, first time here today, or you guys know that we do things differently here, and we wanted to um, bring in Deborah because I believe that one of the biggest challenges that Christians face is this very thing. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I think many Christians are caught up in their walk in life, and sad, and anxious, and fearful, and not living the life that God intended them because their minds are wrapped up in all sorts of stuff. So we felt like it'd be really good just to let her come and share these really practical things that have incredible spiritual implications. Let me finish this verse. It says, But be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you may discern what the will of God is for your life. The key to you being able to understand what God has you on this planet for is to be able to get your mind renewed. That happens through the Word of God. It also happens through these amazing tools. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.